Welcome to the Stott Legacy. He is within us. He shares in the pain. We must not ask God to change his timetable because we're getting a little bit impatient. Or think of the beginning of the first letter of Peter. John Stott was born on 27th of April 1921. And in this, the centenary year of his birth, we're meeting different people around the world who either knew him or who were influenced by him. Please join me, Mark Mannell, as month by month we explore different aspects of the extraordinary life, ministry and legacy of Uncle John. In my area related to arts and culture and still I am doing a radio about uh, artists, uh, writers, uh, musicians and trying to to understand their experience of life. Of course, you see it from the light of the of the gospel. No, the, the, the you understand things more clearly from that point of view. No? That was the voice of Jose de Segovia, who is a journalist in Spain and also a frequent blogger and writer on matters of faith and culture, while also finding time to co-pastor a church in Madrid with his wife. He studied in Spain, the Netherlands and also the UK. And it was while in Britain that he first met John Stott, attending LICC, the London Institute for Contemporary Christianity. So this makes him the first of our guests on the podcast to bring a Western European perspective to the Stott legacy. I had been living in London when I was a baby, uh, the first years of my life. In 1964, I was born. and mm-hmm. My parents moved there. And since I was a child, I, I heard about uh, Stott and his ministry. And we were visiting the church and my parents were attending there for a long time. But uh-huh. it was through books, really, when I was a teenager that I got really interested in, in his work. No? Um, mm-hmm. Particularly the, the whole approach of the Institute that was mm-hmm. so important for me because I was doing journalism, uh, communication science in the university. And I was trying in London, to, in, in Madrid. I was starting uh-huh. in Madrid, no? And uh, I I was looking for something like a Christian worldview, no? Uh-huh. And that was exactly the approach of the Institute. No? The Institute was applying biblical theology and evangelical faith in relations to every area of, of life, no? which it was really the, my, my main interest. No? Um, through um, his uh, important work in the, in the 80s about the, the challenge of modernity and all the present mm-hmm. issues to the faith, no? I, I was very much attracted to go deeper into, into that. No? So what year was that when you started? The, the institute starts in 1980, no? I think, and I was there in 1981, I think. I was like most of uh, the people related to him, very much uh, impressed by his person. No? The, mm-hmm. I didn't know anyone like him before or even after. No, he was such mm-hmm. a, a unique uh, character. Mm-hmm. No, first um, the humble character, the the the, the nearness of, of him. No, yeah, when you he was inviting us so often to to his. Uh, attic, so there was no? no distance between you. It was so easy to speak with him, and he was so open always. Mm. Uh, when he wanted to say something, he would say it. He was very, 
very polite and kind and so but but he was direct when he wanted to of course to say something he was clear completely clear no it was very very interesting because the i was uh, getting through him first and uh and a real con- concern for what it is uh, biblical theology no and the mm-hmm. centrality of the cross of christ no? i think that was so important in his preaching no? and ministry no okay. um what you understand from his biography no is uh, for him uh, the evangelical faith could not be understood no without the meaning of the cross of christ right. no? um for me, that was really the the thing which made me Christian, no? the, uh, in a way. I, I I was so clear in my mind that uh, it was not through morals and through uh, uh-huh. an intellectual view that I could uh, become a Christian. No, it was only through the cross of Jesus Christ, really, which uh, uh, made me a, a Christian. No? Right. Um, his love for the Bible. Secondly, of course, that was uh, the, the, intro- the introduction to expository preaching, systematic, consecutive uh, study of the Bible that was so so, uh, so needed. Had you heard that before in Spain, that kind of preaching? Not really. The, in the Brethren tradition, there was something like that, no? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, with also a, a Christ-centered uh, uh, a Christ-centered message, no, but the way he related to contemporary life that was different, no. I think that uh, the, the most of the churches didn't know at all. Baptist tradition w- was completely unknown. This sort of preaching, no, his uh, fresh no way of, of 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 teaching the Bible that was so so attractive, no. In Spain, we are very grateful, of course, to our Latin American brethren, no? because it was yes. through particularly his published work in Argentina. No? In oh. Buenos Aires is where René Padilla has published with Samuel Escobar uh, most of his translations. No? The, yes. There were very few translations apart from the, the ones coming from, from Latin America. No? It was mostly related to the International Fellowship of Evangelical Students, right. which was the, the way I was introduced to that. But uh, it became more widely known during the years, no? uh, his, his work. No? And he had the, one, the possibility to, go, to come to, to Spain in the early 90s. No? Mm-hmm. He was in, in Madrid for the main national a congress of of evangelicals in spain were you involved in inviting him yes he was uh, preaching uh, every morning in the conference and many people were introduced to expository preaching because he was right. he was doing messages in, in on the acts of the apostles no? and uh, they were so so typical uh, representative no, of his, his, mm. his understanding of the of the scripture and the bible that many people still remember the his his messages no? so let me let me um just dial back a little bit though because you you mentioned that you're a journalist i'm particularly interested in how as a christian believer you um approach that profession and also how um studying with John in the early 80s helped that? Because, of course, he wasn't a journalist. I mean, did you have other journalists um, at the Institute? 
we used to have uh, people like Norman Stone or people mm -hmm. who were involved in in some uh, areas of uh, like Steve Turner or people who were related yes. to to the pop culture. It was very contemporary in that time. For example, nuclear disarmament was a whole issue, and he invited at the same time Jerome Barthes. Um, uh -huh. I think yes. was. Alan Crider was the Mennonite. No, no, who was the That's Mennonite? Right. Yeah, Alan Crider. I think you're right. We talked about that in a previous podcast, actually, because I, yeah. I met with Jerem. He he invited both of them. So he, mm. he always gave the different views. Even the whole charismatic issue, which was very controversial in that time, he, mm. uh, I remember that he was bringing uh, Gerald Coates at the same time than uh, someone with uh, a different view. No? Mm. So... This idea of balance in, in Christianity, no, that uh, gave you the clear understanding that uh, for communication and, uh, and journalism, uh, you need to understand that there are different views of, of, of Christianity, right. no, but that some things, uh, as Uncle John used to say, no, uh, there are there is freedom for many things of opinion, but there are other things that you can be sure about, no, and that was for me. Uh, very important no? to know that uh, it was not everything relative. No, mm -hmm. that was something which really, to many journalists, was surprising of of uh, Uncle John. No? That uh, he uh, he was very uh, respectful, someone with a uh, uh, very uh, 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 polite and, and kind way of, of speaking, but he was not relativistic in his view of Christianity. Right. No? no, he he made clear what was Christian and what was not Christian. No? And, uh, mm -hmm. and that gave me a, 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 a biblical balance and clearly in, in, the, in the direction you know, that there are essential things and there are secondary issues. No? So did you, you know, serve as a professional journalist for a few years after that? Yes, yes. I've been working in the national radio. And how would you say that time in London sort of laid foundations for you professionally, if hmm. at all? I was involved in, in journalism related to culture and through the relationship with uh, the, the institute and, and the church also, I, I came in contact with people like Nigel Godwin, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Steve Turner, uh, Norman Stone, no? the people around Third Way magazine, Right. All these men who were uh, trying to, yeah, some of them were in the beginning with Labri and the mm -hmm. safer connection, no? But uh, uh, Stott gave them a, a more balanced approach, no? in, in a way to understanding, no? Because uh, safer was also very influential for many of us, no? Mm -hmm. In the way of, of to relate to to the, the general uh, and popular culture, no? But... Uh, the more systematic no approach of of, of Stott, no and and the 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 balance to see no the the, the differences uh, to build a a world view no that came more from the from mm -hmm. the institute no this 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 approach no and the, a wider picture no than just mm -hmm. uh, uh, an aspect of it and 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 of course that was a big difference between Stott and Safer, no, uh, Stott mm -hmm. was more systematic, no, Safer was right. always more intuitive, emotional, was uh -huh. a different charismatic figure, but different in that, no, in a way, of course, was also the difference between fundamentalism, 
which was the the background of Schaefer, no? and mm-hmm. and stopped being a more classic evangelical in the right. in the wider sense of the word, no? that gave a more uh, balanced approach, no, to to theology and and, and many issues. I, I was always interested also that uh, he was also very historical, no, in his understanding of Christianity. No? That 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 uh, I discovered when I was studying with him that uh, he always started from the bible and then went to history you know and always was showing connections with the history of christianity the reformation the puritans all the evangelical anglican tradition he he was very often quoting uh, old uh, authors Mm. Uh, not only contemporary and that was a balance many of us uh, miss no because when you are young you try to be contemporary and and mm-hmm. you you lose the, the historical approach he has no and that that was a, a really something very important for me from that moment no so how long were you at the institute that time i was for the for the whole course um and then i i i, I was visiting regularly yes so how long was the course actually i don't think i know that how uh, the course was about uh, six months, no? Was uh, right. was less, less than a, less than a year, no? Mm-hmm. There were uh, terms in the summer, no? Where there were other guest uh, teachers also. In the um, the longer course, there were people coming from other countries. From Spain was going uh, Pablo Martinez uh, to speak about emotional mm-hmm. and psychological issues. There were people like Ed Clowney who were yes. speaking more about the Old Testament, um, a Christ-centered um, mm-hmm. understanding of faith. Uh, um, uh, he was uh, bringing quite a number of people for yeah. for the course from different uh, continents. I wonder then, having had that rich experience for those few months, what it was like coming back to Spain and and trying to share some of the things you learned, particularly in terms of, you know, an integrated worldview. Did you did you hit resistance mm-hmm. back in Spain? Yes, uh, the the prejudice about uh, Stott's view are first that many consider too in, too intellectual. No, the approach. No, uh-huh. it was a time also in the eighties when the charismatic movement was very strong. The house church uh, movement was in that time also very active. Um, there was a, in Spain um, as well. Yeah, and a sort of restoration no? a movement mm-hmm. in general. No, and of course many of these views of of, uh, of faith are not very intellectual. No, they are very much around experience, and, and sometimes uh, even anti-intellectual. Anti-intellectual. No, so many people have this prejudice. No, about mm. uh, about the stud. No. Secondly, of course, uh, many people uh, thought that uh, he was more a teacher, no, and they didn't understand really how gospel-centered he was, no. Uh, right. when, when you knew him, uh, you could understand why he was uh, well known in the past as an evangelist, no. He he was yes. someone with the gospel in the center. He was not uh, a sort of holiness preacher. Teaching a higher, uh, a higher experience of of Christian life. No, no, he uh, he was always around the center of the gospel and relating it to 
to to society and to culture and to the non-Christian uh, to the non-Christian life. And the church was always very evangelistic. No, when you were in, related to all souls, you understood clearly that it was a gospel-centered church with uh, with bringing people in, in relation to Christianity. But many people still think about Stott as a Bible teacher in the sense of yeah. uh, someone who goes deeper into the into the Christian doctrine or, or, or the or the Christian uh, experience, no. But he, he was always around around the around the gospel. Jose worked in national radio in Spain, and in the years after the Franco dictatorship, being religious and specifically Protestant put him very much in the minority. Just like some of the other traditionally Catholic countries in Europe, such as Italy and Portugal and Ireland, Spain secularized very quickly, uh, particularly in the 1980s, having a progressive mindset on ethical issues that reacted against its Catholic heritage. Jose told me that Stott understood the link between this and the politics of the time. Franco had only died in 1975, and in many people's view, Franco stood for Christianity. It was Uncle John's striving for a balanced view that didn't get bogged down in particular political issues that Jose most appreciated and which he found helpful as he navigated his job in the secular world. The American influence has brought again an agenda where all the politics are mixed up with uh, the gospel, no? In a way that you cannot separate anymore no evangelicals yes. from the right no um it's 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 one of the things i i really miss no from the sort of evangelicalism stott represented yes. no which was in that sense not only not political but also he has a balanced view no when yeah. we were talking about social issues and studying the books like baldwin or book mm. about the uh, society it was not only abortion homosexuality and uh, mm. or, or the whole thing the whole packet no that you get from america no that is the mm. the thing to be concerned socially you know the thing to be concerned socially yeah. is uh, to fight against abortion to fight against the 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 gay rights it's very different really to what stott uh, taught us no that he saw us that it was a much wider view no and that is yeah. what uh, Europe, I think, is also missing now because mm. evangelicalism has become so much influenced by America. No? The evangelicals in Europe are now so great fans of the American preachers no? that they have mm. the same the same problems than them. No, that they they have the same really short view no? of, of what yes. is uh, of what is the faith in the in the modern world no um, we have lost really this sort of classic evangelicalism stott represented no in that time we noticed you know mark uh, because of the tensions no between billy graham and, and john stott no uh, billy graham was of course the main leader at lausanne now we're in, in the in the second world war and he was so influential everywhere no but we notice the same problems Stott found in 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 Grant's approach to to Christianity and and to the mission and evangelism, no. And in that time, they, it was clear the difference, no, between this sort of uh, American evangelicalism, no, and what uh, mm -hmm. Stott represented uh, uh, for us, no. 
First, in terms of manipulation, I remember when he was in the 80s uh, milligram in, in Els Court in London, no? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you was glad that you were glad that the, the gospel was preached and that there was mm -hmm. uh, 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 an understanding clearly of what it means to be a Christian. But the sort of manipulation, no, the, the sort of uh, things Stott always says, no, about Billy Graham approach to evangelism, no, it was very clear to many European people, no, that uh, that that, uh, that was not the best uh, uh, approach, no, to 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 faith, no. By that you mean the kind of crusade, uh, big stadium, and the mechanic way. In that court, mm. when I was in that time, uh, in uh, listening to to Doctor Graham, mm. even before he did the invitation, the so-called altar call, no, there were people mm. coming from all over the stadium. Even before he mm. said just a word, no, it was really a mechanic uh, thing. There was a system. Yeah, a system really very different to what was a stunt approach to evangelism. No, he was, as you know, at the end of his gospel messages, he would say, "The ones who are interested can remain," and I can explain later more about what it means to yes. be a Christian. It was such a more reflective way, no, of understanding and, and the meaning of the cost, no, of what it means to yes. be a Christian. No? That is not just to 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 raise a hand to go in the front yeah. to, of a meeting to to sign a, a card so or to right. to repeat the the penitence prayer no that that is not uh, really what it's all about no I mean that's interesting isn't it because I I think particularly with 20th century European history the legacy of sort of mass movements with stadiums full of sort of chanting people is not a very happy history is it i mean hmm. um particularly with fascism and communism and just the extremities i guess that that leaves a bit of taste in the mouth of a lot of europeans which continues to this to this day perhaps yeah and what we have seen in latin america the last years is that it, it brought a lot of very superficial christianity no right the sort of crusades uh, repeated in in the south of america mm. like in the states uh, and Finally, also came more concern really for uh, experience and the search of wonders and even uh, worship music, no? Like mm. we see today in in all these uh, churches of for young people, no? Where really preaching is is really not anymore the, the central thing, no? And mm. and uh, like people like Palau, no, says no that uh, people don't go with a Bible anymore to. To one of these meetings, no, is 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 so far away from from what uh, Stott represented, no, the the idea that yeah. uh, that you need to, uh, to think about these things, no, it's, it's not just uh, an experience, no, that, that mm. you need to have, but it has to do also with with your minds, no, and and, yes. and understanding of it, no. So. Um... You, how long were you a journalist? Because obviously you're a pastor now, so something's hmm. changed. <laughs> yes, I'm still uh, not living from the ministry. I'm still working in journalism. It's a way, really, that you can relate two very different things. No, but uh, uh, it it helped me to to see that uh, uh, you can have a a calling to the to the world no at the mm -hmm. same time than being a, a christian no and, and and preach the gospel no as, as mm -hmm. i still I, i'm doing no 
the the whole division no, between uh, secular and and, mm-hmm. and and the sacred no really it was broken down in uh, in the institute no so that you could yes. relate anything the, under the lordship of Christ yeah that was so revolutionary no for the, the thinking of many of us no that mm-hmm. uh, they were not anymore and that is what I'm still doing no? so the relating mm-hmm. what you would call secular things no but not in the way many evangelicals understand it, no? To protest against this or that, no? Mm-hmm. To to see the, the the problems of, but really to understand what is mm-hmm. the the human experience, no? And of course you can relate it to the gospel because you see the need there, no? But mm-hmm. this, the, I think that this this uh, approach has has been lost some way, no? That uh, mm. that uh, the the thing was understanding, no? The, a, a very important, no? Uh, to to know to in order to understand what was what what it says, no? In in my area related to arts and culture, no? and still mm. I am doing radio about uh, artists, uh, writers, mm-hmm. uh, musicians, and trying to to understand their experience of life no and and yeah. their their view of it no um of course you see it from the light of the of the gospel no the the, the you understand things more clearly from that point of view no what would you say the real needs are for western europe for spain in particular you know assaulted by secularism and we're just we're soaked in it aren't we so i mm-hmm. i wonder with all of that background and your insights as a journalist, what you would say is most needed? I think that uh, what we were looking for such a long time, a third, a third way, no, is still very much needed. No, to see that mm-hmm. uh, the answer is not secularism, and but the answer was also not the traditional uh, right. religious perspective. No, I think that uh, to see the, the difference is, is still very important. No. Because there is, there is a, still a small conservative uh, constitution no, in, in many of our countries, no, which are religious, no? and it's mm-hmm. it's very easy to think that this is the the Christian the Christian view, no, and the other one is the is is really the uh, how we lost everything, no, uh, with secularism. Right. No? In a way, I think that. Um, it was very helpful always to understand the the complex character of secularism, no? yes. because I became involved later with the theological work of the Evangelical Alliance, no, and I was part of the dialogue through recommendation of Stott. I became part of the the group of uh, the Evangelical team, which was in dialogue with the Vatican, no, for many mm-hmm. years, and Stott started that in in Venice, no, in the very beginning. Oh, he started that. I didn't realize. He started that. Yeah, he was oh, in the very beginning with Basil Mikim. He had uh, this meeting, some mission in the beginning, and then came the idea that uh, instead of uh, having uh, attempts of a joint document or or uh, to look what is common to see different issues theological, you know, just to talk about it and to have a more mm-hmm. clear mind, no, and uh-huh. that is brought approach of Stott was very different to what was happening in America. In America, right. you had in that time the evangelicals and Catholics together. With Chuck Colson and people. was a ecumenical movement trying to bring together evangelical and Catholics. Yeah. But the Stott approach was not so simple. No? He he wanted yeah. to 
just to clarify, the same way he did with everything, no? He did it in the charismatic issue. Mm. Uh, he did it with uh, more liberal theologians. He always wanted to meet them, to mm -hmm. talk about the issues, to understand where they were standing, and not to having the the pressure, no, to to have an statement to say what we agree, but just to understand where we are, no. And that was the approach mm. of the conversations all the years I've been for many years mm. meeting with the Vatican, no. At that time, there was a movement in the United States, particularly for Catholics and evangelicals to come together and work together for the purpose of political lobbying and advocacy. Now, Stott was happy to speak out on moral issues like abortion. He disagreed with the lack of emphasis on social responsibility and the sort of narrow focus that some of these political agendas had. Therefore, in that context, Stott was courageous to write Issues Facing Christians Today, which covered a wide range of moral and social issues, and Jose was particularly appreciative of that. Still I use it. I teach uh, ethics yes. in, uh, still in the university, and mm -hmm. I use his book because it's, even if it comes from the 80s, but it's, it's so clear no, in the, mm. the, the wideness of the whole thing, no? the balanced approach of every issue you find in the, mm -hmm. in the book, no, the the strong and biblical uh, study of the of, of the principles, the way that he differentiates the, the how you apply these principles, mm -hmm. the how different is it of the principles itself, no, uh, and it is it is really so helpful book, no, in mm -hmm. in many ways, no, and I think and it, even it, if some of the issues are a bit dated now mm. it, it's it's the model of how he goes about the task is so yes, important right. isn't it and that hasn't gone out of date no and i think uh, you find there all the issues about sexuality at the same time that you find all the issues about work about mm. politics and and ecology things that we as evangelicals mm. we were very interested in the past no and, mm. and nowadays they are considered things from the left or the things that they are not uh, particularly uh, uh, Christian, no? But uh, this, this book was really very, very helpful. I wonder then how you would sum up the impact John had on you personally. I mean, professionally, spiritually, in your daily life even. Everyone who know, knew him, no? He would say that uh, the greatest impact was his person. No? Yeah, he, mm. he, I've never met someone like him. No, someone who was uh, so really humble. Because the mm. the problem with us is pride. You know that the, mm -hmm. we are Christians, but we are still so full of ourselves. No, and so much uh, uh, needed of, of to get attention for ourselves. No, that uh, really is our tragedy. No, that. Uh, the whole Christian world is full of uh, the cult of two personalities, no? They are the center of the, the thing, no? And Stott was so different to that because he was very popular, of course, but he was not uh, the same than, than these preachers, no? He was someone really humble, no? And, and really not concerned for himself, no? And for this. The attention he had for the persons, no? as so so many have said, no, the the way he remembered your name, no, mm. that was mm. uh, 
we can know many people, but of course mm. he knew much more, <laughs> many more people yes. that we could know. Uh, he was everywhere in all the continents. He knew, and he could he could see you twice or, or three times, yes. and he still remembered the names. It was so surprising. No? At the same time, I was also very impressed that he didn't like to make an exhibition of his spirituality. Mm-hmm. Uh, people like him would say, yeah, of course, I'm praying for you every day. I have a card with your name. But mm-hmm. Uncle John didn't say these sort of things. So he, mm-hmm. he would not say, I was uh, awake and I got up at 7 to, to read the Bible and pray. <laughs> he, he would hate this sort of exhibition mm-hmm. of spirituality. No, He was, he was so... Uh, so aware also of that danger no? of the price of of, yes. of, of uh, the spiritual and he life. With it himself yeah. all the time, didn't he? I mean, yeah. he knew that it was a danger for him, so he he really worked against that. He worked against that. No, I remember, in, as you know, in the church, no, he when he was in his knees, so you couldn't see him. He was behind the pulpit. Or, or he, mm-hmm. he never wanted to to mm-hmm. to to be. Uh, uh, to make an an spectacular show of his uh, spirituality, mm-hmm. um, the the balance he has, no, uh, between his intelligence, he was very clever, of course, and he could uh, he he, he has great knowledge, no, about everywhere. But at the same time, no, he has this this balance, no, of being so so close to 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 normal experience no i wonder if there were things that you would disagree with him though well i think that uh, of course like most of of us evangelicals who are not anglicans always have this problem to understand his anglicanism no? because he was at the same time very very anglican no? but mm-hmm. i must say uh, that uh, even if i'm not anglican he he never gave you the impression that Anglicanism was Christianity. That uh, the the way he saw the difference between the view of of, of uh, many liberal theologians in the Anglican Church and the, even the approach to, as you know, when you read his biography, you see his whole fight in the beginning. No, mm-hmm. that uh, uh, people are ordained uh, without special concern for investments or or liturgical aspects of it. The way he even dressed, no, he dressed. Uh, uh, in a suit, most of the time, uh, with a tie, no, he was always looking for uh, what was uh, common to evangelicalism. I can, I come yes. from a more uh, reformed background, no, and I always remember his expressions, no. He say, I'm, I'm also reformed. Always he says that uh, <laughs> uh, you, you must not talk to me like I'm not reformed. I'm reformed too, and he will always with with express that his uh, understanding of the of the articles of faith it, it was mm-hmm. the reformed way, and he would. He would have the same love for Calvin and the reformers and also like like we asked. No? He was a bridge builder, wasn't he? Yeah, he was looking for the bridges, never for mm. to make the and that's a bit something you miss, no, in many in many mm. people, no, who who are focusing controversies, no. I think that the uh, the only thing that, of course that uh, Stott had more problems to understand is the advantages of secularism, no. Which is something peculiar mm. to our countries, no? Spain, Italy, and the way it was because of secularism, we could have the freedom to preach the gospel. No? If there was mm. no secularism, there was never in our, in our whole, whole history was no freedom of religion. No? So, uh, 
he tried to understand no, that there was some good things in secularism. No? And of, of course, he was always very, very clear that, uh, that there were many misunderstandings coming from, from uh, the religious tradition, that uh, secularism can give you an, uh, an opportunity no, to understand Christianity mm -hmm. better no, than, than only looking at the, at the past no, or, the, or the history. No? Well, I'd love to go on talking all night, but um, we, we're going to have to draw to a conclusion. But I, I, I wonder if we could end with just your abiding memory, what you value most from having known John and, hmm. you know, been in touch with him over the years and, hmm. and so on. What, what you um, treasure most in your memories? I think that uh, his example as a Christian is something I have never forgotten. I can mm. tell you just some stories, but uh, yeah. I I remember uh, how generous he was because I, I was always curious about books. No, I have been always a a great reader, no, and I was always looking at bookshops he has in in the corridors and going up to his mm. where he was. But and you could not pick up a book. You know why, Mark? Because <laughs> when you pick a book, he say, "Take the book with you." Yes, I've never seen something like that. <laughs> he was so generous, no? Yeah. So, so much uh, loose uh, with his own things, and he could mm. take so much distance of uh, of, of material things, and mm. uh, uh, that that I never forget these sort of things, no? From mm. him, no? That the uh, the generous way, the way he would speak to a Trump in the streets of London. Mm close to the institute he would yep. talk with them and in the past he would even take it for dinner but that, that evening mm -hmm. or, or, or give him his mm -hmm. bed to sleep no yeah. for me that's christianity is something yeah. that you cannot uh, it's not a, a an intellectual view of life it's, it's really a, a it's more than a way of life but it's it's, it's the practice of, of of what you believe no that is something I, I, I would never uh, forget, no, um, the, this, his reverence for the scripture. No? I, I always have great respect uh, for the Bible. I, I would never twist uh, Bible texts because he taught us it's better that you say that you cannot understand something, that you make the Bible say what you want to, that they say. That, that was so clear in his preaching and, and teaching that you cannot play with the Bible, no? And thirdly, as I say in the very beginning, the, his understanding of the cross, for me, is central to for what is preaching and to, to, to witness the, 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 about the gospel, no? When you think that he, even when he was a student, no? The whole debate between the, the evangelical Christian Union and the other mm -hmm. student union was the doctrine of the cross. Everywhere mm -hmm. he was, he was always looking for what this, and he never compromised in that. So mm -hmm. I would say that uh, preaching without the cross is not a gospel preaching. No? This is not, if it is not in the center, you are not talking about the, the same gospel than the apostolic mm -hmm. uh, teaching. No? This is the time of year in Langham literature when it is library grant season. Now, I taught at a small seminary in Uganda for a few years, and it was always striking to me both how small our library was when compared to Western institutions, 
But secondly, how the vast majority of books that we did have were written mainly by white men from North America and Britain. And too many institutions around the world simply do not have access to books written by scholars from their regions and continents, nor the funds to purchase them. So the Langham Literature Catalogue has been making a huge difference for many years. Each library is given a grant to spend in the catalogue annually with prices massively reduced. This has had a significant impact on their possessions. Do pray then that the logistics of getting these books shipped out would go well and then for the books and other resources to be well read and used on arrival so that the next generation of Bible teachers would be equipped. Thank you so much for listening to The Stock Legacy. Thank you also to my Langham Partnership colleagues who have helped to make this podcast a reality. And special thanks to Vic Marseille from Langham Partnership UK and Ireland for all her hard work in editing and producing each episode. Please do leave a review wherever you get your podcasts, recommend it to friends, and above all, tune in next time. Until then, goodbye.